want to tell you about young Benjamin. Benjamin is about 12 or 13 years old now, but at the time of this story, he was somewhere around five or six years old. I was serving communion, and as people were coming forward for... All right, so y'all may not know this, but when someone is younger and they haven't been through confirmation yet, I don't tell them the body of Christ or the blood of Christ. I tell them, Jesus loves you. Or this is a gift so that you know that Jesus loves you. So I handed it to Benjamin. Again, he's five or six years old. Benjamin, Jesus loves you. He takes that bread. He walks over the chalice. That whole fist went down into that juice. He had juice up to here. He just dumped. He dunked it in. And his mother, who's a friend of ours from, from years ago, she could just see that look of horrification on her face, just horrified that her kid had done this. And yet, I remember at First Saxe, when we would do communion on the first Sunday of the month at the 11 o'clock worship service, we would take the elements after everybody had received, and two of us would go down to the nursery. We would go down there and let the nursery adults have it. And then the children at that point, everybody else has received. So all these two, three, four-year-olds are dunking their fists all the way down. In the, and it dawned on me, we just didn't tell Benjamin that's not how you do it when there's people in line behind you. <laughs> every pastor in every church has communion stories. There's a lot of communion stories out there. It doesn't take away from the meaning of Holy Communion to laugh a little and to find joy in the moments. We spent the month of July talking about God's grace. We talked about that God's grace is freely given to all people. That it's God's love poured upon us in ways that we just can't even imagine. In an amount that we can't imagine. We talked about John Wesley's understanding of grace that we've we're covered from birth, and, and then we have grace when we receive Christ, and then there's another grace that carries us through the rest of life. And we've talked about all those things, and so it made sense to me that we would spend August talking about the means of grace, the ordinary ways in our lives that God's grace comes to us in which we receive God's grace. There are more means of grace than there are Sundays in the month of August. So I just picked a few that, quite frankly, I wanted to do a little bit of talking about, read, read about. So today we're going to talk about Holy Communion and the way that Holy Communion is a means of God's grace upon us. What we need to keep in mind is that when we are partaking of Holy Communion, we are not doing it by accident. We don't just happen upon communion. And John Wesley says this, we are not to be idle waiting to experience grace, but we are to engage in the means of grace. In other words, we don't sit at home idly thinking, well, I'm just going to wait for Jesus to come to my house and come show up here. No, we take the time and the effort to place ourselves so that we are in God's presence and we know that we are in God's presence and we invite God's grace to come and be with us in those moments. In Paul's words here that we have in 1 Corinthians, these are the oldest words that we have as far as what people were using as liturgy when it came to communion because Paul's letters are all older than the four Gospels that we have. And so these words that we have from Paul are the oldest ones. 
And he says in there that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. That remembering is done, and this is, this is the description that I got. It's a way of recalling, bringing to mind, that includes participants in the old story. In other words, it's not simply remembering, oh, Jesus died on the cross. It is hearing Jesus' words. When we have our liturgy and communion, we say, on the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread. That's a way of recalling the story and placing ourselves in the story. When we do that, as United Methodists, we believe that the very real presence of Jesus Christ is with us when we gather in worship, and in particular, in the celebrating of the sacraments. When we say on the night in which he gave himself up for us, we are saying, Jesus, you're here with us right now. And we remember what you did, and we're grateful and we're thankful. We believe in the very real presence of Jesus Christ because we are together. The means of grace come in two categories. There's the works of piety and the works of justice. And then within works of piety and within works of justice, there's both individual and communal. So communion is a communal work of piety, meaning that we gather together deliberately to be in a spiritual space where we recognize Jesus is right here with us. Many years ago, when Hurricane Katrina hit the coast, it devastated New Orleans, but it did devastation into Mississippi as well, and sometimes we have a tendency to forget that she went that far to the east. Soon after that, I talked to one of the pastors of a United Methodist Church along the coast in Mississippi, because I wanted to know what happened at that church because of Hurricane Katrina. And he tells me this story. The Sunday after Hurricane Katrina was a communion Sunday. It was a Sunday where they would normally be having the sacrament of Holy Communion. But their week had been filled with, who's heard from this family? Who's heard from this family? Who's heard from this family? Where is everybody? And they were trying to track down all of the families of the church. Where did everybody go? So when it came time to have communion that day, you got to think and remember, it's not like the pastor could go down to the local supermarket and pick up a loaf of bread to have communion. It's not like the pastor could go out and get some grape juice if they were out in the church. And there was all this concern about contamination and all those things. For the few families who were still in the area, they gathered together for worship that Sunday. And their communion consisted of taco shells because that's what they had in the pantry at the church. And they were sealed. And from my memory, I did not look it back up in my notes, but from my memory, they did not use any kind of juice because of the risk of what was flying around in the air and contamination. And so they, they did communion, but with taco shells. It wasn't in what they used. It was in who was gathered. But because they had been so concerned about all the other families in the area that week and, and where everybody had dispersed, that communion service was not limited to who was sitting in those pews. There were others they're with them. And the very real presence of Jesus Christ was among them. We are gathered here together this morning. Some are missing, 
but we know they're here. But because we are gathered, Jesus is here in this moment with us. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he's talking about do not take communion in an unworthy manner. And then in the very next verse, he says, examine yourselves. Examine yourself. Holy communion is not about reading the responses in the liturgy, coming forward, receiving, and then taking your seat again. Holy communion is about preparing yourself to receive God's grace. Remember, he said we don't do it idly. There's an action involved. And I think what Paul is pointing out is part of that action that we do is to self-examine where we are today before we receive. When John Wesley started the Methodist movement, they weren't called Methodists initially. He was at Oxford, and he was hanging out with some other guys, and they started what they called the Holy Club. And the Holy Club took communion every single, every single day. That was so important to John Wesley to, to receive communion. He received communion every single day. And in this group, as they would prepare to receive communion, they had 22 questions they would ask each other. Now, mind you, this is every day. And then when the Methodist movement started and they had class meetings and people were getting together on a weekly or biweekly basis to check in with each other, they would go through these 22 questions. Now, I'm not going to ask you all 22 questions. If you're curious, you can go look it up. But I did pull some of them out that kind of struck me this week, that struck me this week. The very first question they ask is, am I honest? Am I honest? Can I be trusted? Did the Bible live in me today? Which is followed up by this question, do I give the Bible time to speak to me? Do I give the Bible time to speak to me? Am I enjoying prayer? I love how that's phrased. It's not saying, did you pray today? Am I enjoying prayer? Am I finding joy in prayer? Am I finding joy when I'm sitting with Jesus and having a conversation? When did I last speak to someone about my faith? Boy, does that cause me to pause. When was the last time I spoke to somebody about my faith? Why I believe. And then this question, is Christ real in me? Is Christ real in me? Do the people around me look at me and know, oh, there's Jesus. In our communion liturgy, early on we have this prayer of confession. And you guys know that I stop and and I invite you all in silent for private confession and reflection. You remember I say that in our communion liturgy? There's a lot of churches that don't do that part. They skip right past that part. And they just talk about the bread and the juice and here you go. I don't think that's the major part of Holy Communion. To me, spending time with Jesus and saying thank you for what you did on the cross... I know I'm not doing right this way. I know I've messed up this way this week. I know that this is something that I've got to work on. And I know that this is something that I really need to change in my life. To me, Holy Communion means so much more when I have a moment to just just open up my heart and say, okay, this this is how I messed up. 
God, help me, help me undo this. Help me fix this. And by the way, thank you for forgiving me the minute that I did it. All of that self-examination leads us to receive Holy Communion in a worthy manner. Paul says here in this scripture that you've got to receive it in a worthy manner. Stop receiving it in an unworthy manner. Well, what was happening in Corinth was they would have their community gathering for mealtime and for the Lord's Supper. And let's put it this way. Those who didn't have to work could show up early. And they were enjoying the fermented grape quite lively. They were being gluttonous. So then by the time those who did have to work to put food on their table came, there wasn't any left for them. And then they were trying to do the whole Lord's Supper when um, they'd had too much to drink. I'll put it that way. So when Paul's talking about receive Holy Communion in, in a holy manner, what does that mean for us? But I love it. I've got a great story of receiving in an unworthy manner. I've got a great story for this. Many years ago, my mother wanted to take the family, meaning me and Steve and Merritt and Amy and their three kids, to Disney World. This was about nine years ago. And she wanted to go around Christmas time. So we went the week before Christmas. We went down to Disney World. On our way back, Merritt and Amy went to their house, and Steve and I went and stayed with Mom and Dad for a few days. And so we were in Birmingham at the church where I grew up for Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, you go and you have communion and candlelight at the church. So I asked mom and dad, well, what time is the service? And they both said 8 o'clock. Service is at 8 o'clock. Great, the service is at 8 o'clock. And so we decided we needed to arrive by 7.45, get a parking space. About 7.30, my dad says to Steve, Steve, you need to drive. I've already had my bourbon. So we get in the car and we drive to Trinity United Methodist Church in Homewood, Alabama. And when we get there about 7.45, the parking lot's packed, packed. And we're like, my goodness, there's an awful lot of people who came early for communion. We come in the back of the church, nope. Communion's underway and people are already going down the aisle. The service started at 7. So we enter in, we don't even sit down, we just go right down the aisle, no praying, no nothing, receive our communion and then come back up the other way with our candle. Now, what you need to know is Daddy was wearing his brand-new hoodie that he bought at Disney World that had one of the seven dwarfs on the back and said, Grumpy. I think there's a better way to do it than that. We talked about self-examination and some of the questions that we can ask ourselves when we prepare our hearts and minds to receive this means of grace. I want to invite you to try something you may or may not have tried. Some of you do this already, some of you don't, and so this might be something you might like to try. Sometimes we need physical reminders of what's going on. First of all, we do not take communion. We receive communion because it is a gift from God through Jesus Christ. So I invite you to try this today when you come forward to receive communion. Put your hands in a receptive posture. Just come with your hands open, ready to 
receive. Some of you, I know many of you like to look me in the eye because you know I'm going to call you by name, and I understand that, but you might want to come forward with your head bowed a little bit. That, that attitude of humility, that attitude of authenticity, that attitude of surrender. Try adding that to your bailiwick of spiritual disciplines, to your, to your work of piety around this communal means of grace together. Some of you who have worshipped at this church since before I got here know that it's a slight change that we have communion every Sunday during Lent and every Sunday during Advent. I take full responsibility of that because I think that's the right thing to do. Because those are our high holy seasons and we need to be reminded even more of God's grace and God's love and why Jesus died on the cross. We only celebrate Christmas because, not because of Easter, but because of Jesus' death upon the cross. And many years ago, Easter fell on the first Sunday of the month, which in Methodist churches, you do communion on the first Sunday of the month in most Methodist churches. And the pastor was asking, but should we do communion on Easter? And my response is, if somebody comes to church once a year, which Sunday are they coming? It's usually on Easter. And to receive that means of grace, to receive that, God's love and God's grace moving in and through you, to me it's so important. To me it's so important. So when we prepare in just a moment to receive communion together, think about that time of confession. Think about that time that, that you're going to have in your own silence with you and Jesus sitting next to you. What's going on in your life that you need to ask help for? What's going on in your life where you need to say, I did it again. Forgive me again. And think about that this is a gift that you are receiving. Recognize that it's God's love being poured into you. Approach it with thanksgiving. Sincerely with who you are. And just be. Just be. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.